the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. I'm joined in studio, of course, once again by our producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. And hello again, Rebecca. How are you? I am very good. Finally, very happy to see some warm weather. Yes, let it <laughs> stay for a while. Yes, it would be nice. <laughs> well, we are going to just jump right in. We are very excited to have one of our favorite guests on our show again today, and I'm going to introduce it by talking about that in in 2013, our school officials at Edina Public Schools decided to view all teaching and learning through the lens of racial equity. As a result, academic excellence is on the decline at the Edina Public Schools as they are experiencing across-the-board test score declines, including on ACT standards in math, reading, and science, yes. all three. Uh, the declines were observable after the district adopted the equity-focused all-for-all plan in 2013, which we've covered extensively with Catherine in the past. Yes. In addition to falling ACT scores, the Edina Public Schools also lost ground since 2013 in reading and math proficiencies on their Minnesota Comprehensive Assessments. And we covered this uh, just last month mm-hmm. uh, pretty extensively yes. uh, through the Minnesota Human Report or the uh, report card that was released by the Minnesota Department of Education. Across the board, the state was touting the highest graduation rate, but yet when you looked at individual student groups, the test results from those MCAs were going down amongst each Precisely, group. and that's not just for Edina. We're no, talking just about Edina school, today, just about. today, but that show we were discussing statewide. Yes, so, across the yes. state. Mm-hmm. And we can all agree that no one wants to see test scores decline and that it is good for concerned parents to cross political lines to put the academic needs of children first. So the sense of urgency is only growing. And as the latest Minnesota report card uh, indicated, as we were talking about, the Edina Public School District's learning gap has failed to narrow. And in some respects, it's widened, despite the fact that white student scores are also falling. Now, across Minnesota, including in the Edina Public Schools, white and Asian students on average continue to perform at a higher academic level than black and Hispanic students. And despite the district's implementation of the all-for-all plan, What has happened in the last six years that has the achievement gaps widening? Well, in 2019, what does enrollment look like in the district? What is personalized learning in light of the district's equity mission? How are parents working for reform in the district, and how has the district's administration responded? 
Well, joining us for the next two shows to help answer these questions and more is Catherine Kirsten. Mm-hmm. And Catherine is a writer and an attorney, a senior policy fellow and founding director at the Center of the American Experiment, having also served as its chair from 1996 to 98. She has also served as a Metro columnist for the Star Tribune from 2005 to 2008, and before that was an opinion columnist for the paper for 17 years. She has researched and written extensively on the issues in the Edina Public School District, and she's been a guest multiple times on Education Nation and is a name that is recognized by the AM 1280 Patriot audience. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us once again this evening. Always a pleasure. Yes, wonderful. Well, we were going to begin our discussion tonight by refreshing our listeners on this equity-focused plan that was adopted by the Edina Public School District, known as the All for All Plan. Could you please remind our listeners as to what that plan is and how it defines educational equity, and then what kind of changes were mandated by the district as a result of that racial equity and cultural competence statement? Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, the... uh, uh, the, the plan, uh, despite its uh, its name, all for all, really is about uh, viewing students first and foremost not as individuals, but as members of racial groups. And the idea was to transform the United Schools in in a host of ways, with the goal of cl- of closing the racial learning gap. That was made the district's highest priority. In terms of the definition of educational equity, uh, the plan uh, describes that as promoting equality of educational results among all students' subgroups. So that means uh, that there will not be equity until all students of all races and ethnicities and income levels perform essentially exactly at the same level. Right. And that's, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that is something that is so important for our listening audience to hear and understand, because when you hear the term equity, it sounds so good because everybody believes in equality. We want equality, but we need to emphasize the difference between equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome. And what you are talking about here is equality of the outcome, that they would perform exactly at the same levels, even though right now the disparity is quite large. That's why we've They're been very large. working on yes, this. Yes, yes. And, and the problem, of course, is that what this does is to sacrifice academic rigor to promotion of a social agenda. Mm-hmm. And it does not put students' individual academic needs and abilities first so they can you know all achieve to their highest potential it it very much sacrifices students as individuals to this kind of group think mm-hmm. you know we're seeing people only in terms of their skin color and not as individuals mm-hmm. right and you know again i think all of us would agree that we want to be able to see all students achieving and doing well but if a student is naturally brighter or has more opportunity, we don't want to hold them down in order to try to make another look better. What we want to do is we want to take the students that are struggling at the bottom and provide what they need so that they can rise to the top and do better. And I think it's also important to stress on this as well, too. And we talked about this when we talked about the Minnesota report card, one size does not fit all. Right. And, you know, the Waltz administration was alluding to the fact that, hey, there were these other little options that were involved that really is what, quote unquote, contributed to the 
highest graduation rate that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about uh, mm-hmm. equity and what equality is, now you're basically trying to find a one-fit system that's mm-hmm. going to bring everybody together at the same spot. It, mm-hmm. it contradicts. Yep. Right. That's exactly right. right. Exactly. They use a term called racial equity and cultural competence statement. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the changes that were mandated as a result of the, that racial equity and cultural competence statement? Well, uh, as I said, the first was that uh, this statement and the policies around it uh, require Edina Public Schools to view all district work and initiatives, okay. and, and that means all teaching and learning through what they call a lens of racial equity, which is what mm-hmm. we have been talking about here. Mm-hmm. People aren't individuals. They are simply representatives of, of racial groups. But there was a second uh, way that uh, curriculum and all school activities were going to be transformed, and that is what the district called um, interrupting systems of inequity mm-hmm. and eliminating barriers rooted in racial constructs. I mean, it's real wow. bureaucracies. <laughs> right. But the idea was that they, they, they believe that uh, certain minority uh, student subgroups struggle because of uh, white racism and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to change teachers, the way that they operate, and in fact, who the teachers actually are, because the implication is that it's teachers' racism that is causing uh, some of these minority uh, groups of students not to do as well as other students. Mm-hmm. So this this means the district committed to hire basically only so-called racially conscious teachers and administrators going forward, that is, people who view students through the lens of skin color rather than as individuals. Right, right. Uh. And even if the kids were all in the same class together with this racially sensitive teacher, they're basically going to have to be teaching differently to different groups. I mean, isn't that essentially the objective where no one is getting the same instruction? Yes, that is is a major component of this whole all-for-all initiative, uh, which is called personalized learning. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Exactly. So we briefly mentioned earlier, Catherine, that as the district adopted and implemented educational equity, the test scores began to decline in the Edina public schools. So to give our listeners a real picture of how these scores are dropping, could you please explain the reading and math test results from the Edina public schools since 2008 and how they, yeah, go ahead. Sure. And, and, you know, I want to say here that there can be a number of factors that can go into uh, test scores, both increases and declines. It's important to realize that. But but this Mm -hmm. is quite striking to see uh, what has happened in Edina since adoption of the all for all plan in in 2008. Talking about um, test score changes mm-hmm. um, in uh, 2000 between 2008 and 2014 let's just look at Edina mm-hmm. high school uh, in, on reading on state tests it ranked during that time first or second in the in the state mm, wow. uh, and once third but in 2015 it fell uh, to uh, 11th place among pure metro schools 2017 wow. to 10th place in reading, and last year, uh, it was down to 14th. 
in that, reading. I mean, that is very significant. You can't, you know, knowing a little bit about statistics, um, I'm not an expert by any means, but that is a very significant drop that would not yes. just be explained by the number of students or, you know, who's taking the test and that type of thing. That's that's beyond um, what you would consider to be significant. Yeah, and it's interesting to look at um, how white students' proficiency fell, as you say, sometimes people say, uh, well, there are more minority students, uh, not Asian students, mm-hmm. because on average, their scores are higher. But, right. Uh, they tend to kind of dismiss these sorts of scores of clients and that. If they, but if white students' proficiency mm-hmm. uh, has fallen as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we see white students' proficiency in reading falling 3.7 points. Uh, mm-hmm. over that period and 3.2 points in math compared to their white peers statewide mm-hmm. proficiency mm-hmm. average. So, right. And then you know, again, something, something is going on. Right, right. That isn't, like you say, that is um, significant. It's not just uh, the minority students whose scores are dropping. And, right. and yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, in looking at the test results just a little more in detail, Catherine, you've discovered in your research that Edina assesses third grade reading in two specific mm. ways. If we can, mm-hmm. let's let's describe the two ways the district assesses proficiency and what the numbers say about how the district is faring when it comes to national and local normed growth targets. Yes, now this is really disturbing. Uh, Edina assesses third grade reading in two ways. First, uh, as I said, they're the state MCA uh, tests, and they measure proficiency, which means ability to read it at grade level. And then there are the measures of academic progress Mm -hmm. tests or the MAP tests, and those measure individual student growth over time. Mm So um, last year, uh, the the goal of the district set with the Department of Education, the State Department, was to increase third grade reading proficiency on the MCAs, the state test, by 2.9, almost three points. But in fact, proficiency fell 7.5 7.5 points, hmm. 70.8. This was a, a, you know, a huge, uh, unprecedented drop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then on the MAP test, we saw um, some very significant declines in the percentages of students, and this is grades 3 through 8, who met their nationally normed growth targets in both reading and math. So uh, a, a kid who had been doing really well would be expected to continue to do really well by right. a certain you know, uh, mm-hmm. measured mm-hmm. Uh, amount. And in fact, that's not happening in a number of, of cases. So for example, mm-hmm. last year, about 24%, fewer sixth graders met their growth targets in reading and math than had met them as fifth graders the year before. Oh my goodness, wow. in one year. That is, yeah. that so, is very... You know, we're going to talk about this, I think, in the future, maybe not even on this show. But, um, you know, you'd think that that would be cause for alarm for the district leaders. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And again, there, there can be problems of curriculum. Of but, course. But yes. This is a trend overall yes. that is very disturbing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is so important, too, because the district strategic plan assessment summary final report in December of last year included the fact that students who do not read proficiently by third grade are four times more likely to leave high school without a diploma than proficient readers. And it's important to note, too, that also in 2018, you mentioned that the district also failed to reach other academic performance goals it had set simultaneously with the Minnesota Department of Education. Has the district been transparent in their reports when it comes to these vital MAP scores? And if you could, if you could cite some specific trends as it pertains to these reports over the last 15 years. Right. So, uh, no, this is one of parents' biggest complaints, that transparency 
uh, has has not been evident in the way the district administration has handled this. Uh, so, for example, I went to the district and I asked for these MAP scores in a way that allowed year-over-year comparisons for the last five years. And I was told that, uh, quote, the district does not maintain data from previous years in the format you are requesting. Why? Who knows? But they they are not interested in people being able to assess a trend like this. And then it's interesting to look. All this is online, actually. You look at the kinds of annual reports that the United Administrators put out over the last 15 years. Look at, say, 2003-04. That report was highly detailed. It was 97 pages long. It went it compared everything that you can imagine with everything else. All that is gone. All that wow. is utterly gone. Today, really? Uh, we have a four-page report filled with you know, color bubbles and happy kids' pictures and almost no data. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, you know, it, people, parents are, are, are beginning to really get restive about this lack mm-hmm. of transparency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you think that they are not only sending their own children into the program, they are paying the taxes in the district, and it's been known for good academics over the years, so you can see why they're up in arms. Well, you are listening to Education Nation on AM 1280, The Patriot, and Catherine Kirsten is joining us again tonight discussing the increasing academic achievement decline taking place in the Edina Public School District. Test scores continue to to decline six years after the district adopted their educational equity in the form of the all-for-all plan. I wonder if Edina schools can be saved. As, as academic achievement numbers continue to fall, parents in the district are current, certainly taking notice. And what did the district's enrollment report from October 2018 reveal about the Edina Public Schools? Well, that has also been a real uh, surprise to parents. Actually, um, a significant number of families are leaving the district. There was a net loss of 93 students between 2017 and 2017-18 uh, and 2018-19. And this was not expected because uh, in February, the district's budget parameters had said that we could expect steady enrollment uh, with perhaps a small amount of growth. And, of hmm. course, there's open enrollment mm-hmm. as a factor as well. And last year, uh, it turned out that 321 students open enrolled out of Edina into mm-hmm. other public schools. And this was a 28% increase mm-hmm. over the previous year. So, yeah, that's a lot it, of you know, kids. It's always been people wanting to get into the Edina schools. And now you have this growing number of students and parents who want out. Mm-hmm. Again, showing their concern. And they, yep. you know, they say you walk with your, or you vote with your feet, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, Catherine, in your research, you reveal that um, when they're faced with this exodus, the Edina School Board in the summer of 2018 commissioned the district's first ever sh- survey of outbound families to determine mm-hmm. why so many are leaving. What were some of the reasons parents cited? Well, the most important factor. Uh, that parents cited was uh, that the Edina schools had failed to, quote, meet their students' learning needs. Mm. Uh, And and the second was, or another very important reason, uh, that parents wanted, quote, no liberal agenda. Mm. 
Wow, so that was really direct. Important. And <laughs> teacher time, how uh-huh. their kids were not getting teacher time and attention as they mm-hmm. had expected and, and you know wanted. Right, right. But that's, again, that's very key that uh, they're mm-hmm. noticing concerns. And, you know, sometimes it's not real obvious, too. Kids don't always talk about what they're experiencing at school. So for it to True. rise to this level tells you that there's something very, very significant going on. Um, that would get it to this point where 321 are opting out. Yeah, more and more students are going mm-hmm. home and saying, look, Mom and Dad, Talking this is what's it. going on in the classroom. Right. Well, mm-hmm. we, you just mentioned some of the consequences that have been experienced among students and families that were attending in the school district, but there are also consequences that are starting to really take its toll on the district itself. Could you detail some of those for us? Well, um, the I guess the first thing I would think of there is just the budgetary implications of uh, the uh, this district is going to have a hundred fewer or has a hundred fewer kindergartners in this year's class than it had uh, in the graduating class from Medina senior high oh. school in 2018 and what of course this means is a loss of state aid mm-hmm. and that's a big deal so uh, the, the district already was under significant budget pressures and now on uh, no, there has been extensive discussion of where the cuts are going to take place. And if this trend continues, it will only increase the district's financial mm-hmm. struggles. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, again, they're not used to being in that position, having been no, a district no. that is known for academics. Yeah. And you think of the long-term consequences of that, too. I mean, you don't have younger kids that are coming in, and then you've got right. kids that are leaving that are older. Mm-hmm. Age is a district pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Also in in your research, too, Catherine, you you detail one transformative change that came to the district back in 2013 when this all-for-all plan was adopted. Um, And this this transformation that took place, it was expanded and revised in a model called personalized learning. And we're going to finish the show talking about that today, and we're going to continue that in our discussion next week. What are the goals and some of the promotions of personalized learning, and how is it different from the structured education system that's been in place for decades? Well, (laughs) it's uh, very different, and uh, I'm quoting here from Edina uh, Public Schools' website. It says that this new approach, quote, redefines the role of the teacher to that of a facilitator of learning rather than a deliverer of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it's that, you know, guide in the stage or or side versus sage in the stage Mm -hmm. idea. Uh, taken to an exponential degree. Uh, And it goes on to say the end goal is to give students what they call voice and choice Mm -hmm. about what is learned, Mm -hmm. when it is learned, and how it is learned. And we're talking about elementary school kids here. Uh, This is giving students all kinds of, of choice over what, how, and where they are learning, and of course, uh, most students are not mature enough. Uh, I'd say most adults right. <laughs> to use that kind of, of uh, autonomy and lack of guidance in an effective way. Mm-hmm. And there's there's also a, a high dependence on technology. So then, not oh only gosh, are you gosh. giving them this autonomy, but then you're also giving them a, a screen of some sort, um, an iPad or what have you, and that just adds. Uh, to the confusion on the part of these kids. I yes, think- and, and a, a really amazing piece of evidence there is is a picture that I found on the Edina Public Schools website 
of the so-called flex space uh-huh. where kids go when they leave the classrooms, which they tend to do for the bulk of the, the classroom period to pursue learning on their own. <laughs> and in this picture, they are sitting with their buddies looking at their laptops and staring at their phones and yep. sitting on the floor. And, you know, this is how many, unfortunately, are using all this freedom. Freedom. Well, and this is, you know, when you stop and think about your own educational experience, um, you know, think back to maybe when you had a study hall and a few students yeah, asked yeah. to go out into the hallway to maybe study for a test or something. You know, usually there were parameters around that. Well, you can be out in the hall for 10 or 15 minutes because teachers knew that beyond 10 or 15 minutes, they probably were deteriorating into fun conversation rather than actual studying. Yes. And, and to think that that's the foundation of their so-called learning now, um, to expect yeah. them to know what they're supposed to be wanting to do. I know one you've got one parent who you quoted in one of the articles that says they're basically fooling around with their friends mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, not learning. No wonder the test scores are dropping. Uh, yeah. Man. Well, we are running close close to being out of time here. We've got one more question for you in this show. There's a little evidence, or there's little evidence, excuse me, that personalized learning actually improves educational outcomes, and we can see why as we're talking about what it looks like. Um, in 2017, Education Week reported that no one has studied personalized learning more closely than the global think tank, the RAND Corporation. Can you share mm-hmm. for our listeners what that group has warned of when it comes to personalized learning? And has Edina followed their advice? Yes. Uh, well, uh, according to uh, the, the most prominent expert at the RAND Corporation on personalized learning, uh, quote, the evidence base is very weak mm-hmm. uh, that uh, this kind of approach to education actually improves educational outcomes. And uh, RAND advises schools generally not to go whole hog into personalized learning, mm-hmm. but to you know experiment here and there, monitor very closely what's happening. That, of course, is not what Edina has done, mm-hmm. and that is for racial equity reasons. They have implemented personalized learning, quote, throughout the district at all learner levels. And the reason is that they want heterogeneous classrooms. They want classrooms that are perfectly balanced in terms of kids' skin colors. Mm -hmm. We're talking about advanced and special ed and, you know, all across the spectrum. So they are sacrificing individual kids' needs to this color palette that they Mm -hmm. want in their classrooms. It is just such a shame because then the kids who need that extra help, they're no longer getting it the way they used to receive it. And I remember talking to a parent of a special needs child in the Stillwater School District a number of years ago, and she was so frustrated because with these changes that are happening, this isn't just happening in Edina, by the way, this is happening in a lot of school districts nationwide and for sure statewide. And she was so frustrated because she said, my child is no longer getting the help because they're trying to just mainstream them into the regular classroom, but then the child is languishing and not getting the support that they need to succeed. So we're really, really harming these students by doing this. Well, Catherine, this has been such an interesting conversation, and we are going to end our discussion on personalized learning here um, for now, and then we're going to take it back up next week when we have you back on the show. Uh, But for our listeners, we are um, asking you to, if you want to hear more about our show or listen to this podcast or others, you can go to ednationmn.org. That's ednationmn.org. You can also visit our Facebook page at Education Nation Radio. And we also have a Twitter account at EdNationMN. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. And yes. Mark, thank you for all you've done to prepare this show today. Always good to and be with you, Rebecca. We thank look you. forward to having you back again next week, Catherine.
Thanks so much. All right. Have a good night. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.